Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast exists because of the paid members at decodingtv.com. Become a paid subscriber and get access to ad-free episodes and early access to episodes. And support this podcast. Help it to keep going. Thanks to everyone at decodingtv.com who makes this podcast possible. All men and women were created equal. If this is going to be the dawn of the seven, we have to first get through dusk. No, no, just me. Now that right there is how you fucking audition. (laughs) Don't touch my knuckles. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Streaming, a decoding TV podcast. I'm David Chen, and I'm looking for a healer at Godolkin University with a very particular set of skills. Joining me today, she is a filmmaker and video essayist whose work can be found at youtube.com slash at Gender. Jesse Earl. Hey, I am here uh, ready for someone to uh, give me my own monologue back at me so I can clap to it. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to play that specific clip, too, by the way. I came up with that joke beforehand. And then you used the clip. I'm like, ah, oh, dang it. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's okay. It looks like kismet synergy. It is. It is. Yes, nicely. exactly. You you read my mind. It's reviving. We're vibing very hard. <laughs> This Week in Streaming is a show on the Decoding TV podcast feed that covers the most interesting shows available on streaming each week. We generally talk about the first episode or two or three, and then if it's good, we come back at the end of the season and review the entire season. And that's what we're doing today, right Mm -hmm. here on This Week in Streaming. Jesse was here to talk about the first few episodes of Gen V. She is back to discuss the entire season. We are, of course, going to start with our overall thoughts. Should you watch the show? Was the first season worth it? Is it worth uh, renewing, which Amazon Prime Video recently did for a season two, as far as I understand? Uh, And then we are going to dive into not only a recap of major events that happened this season, but also a detailed discussion of the finale of the show. You can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. And find us across all platforms, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok, at Decoding TV. All right. Jesse Earl, uh, when we talked about Gen V last, mm-hmm. we both had a great time yep. with the first three episodes of the show. And I was very curious if they could continue the momentum. I was very curious if this w- show would continue to be good. So we're now at the end of the first season. We've seen every single episode now. What do you think? Was this worth the journey? If you're listening to this right now, you haven't seen any of Gen V. Should people go all the way to the end of the first season of Gen V? What do you think, Jesse? I think the answer is an overwhelming yes. I really, really, really enjoyed this season quite a lot. I do think it lost a little of its momentum towards the middle of the season. I think it kind of uh, spun its wheels for a little bit longer than I would have wanted it to. But on the whole, I think the characters were extremely well-established. I thought they had some 
really great revelations about the characters as especially some characters that I thought were kind of just side characters and really kind of came into their own uh, as the season went along. And those revelations helped me even see them in a new light for their actions that we had been watching at the beginning of the season. I always love when a show does that where it like adds depth to a character's portrayal retroactively. Um, and then the overall storyline felt like it had weight and impact, not only in this show, but honestly, it feels like going into the next season of The Boys, whenever that's going to come out, this feels like it, it actually has weight and meaning going into that series as well that makes this show feel like it stands on its own and yet feels like it not just a superfluous thing to The Boys, but something that it carries like an equal weight to it which i thought was really really amazing to see because it could have been very easy for gen v just to feel like the oh yeah it's the side thing that you know if you like the boys you know you can get really it's like no this feels like it has it carries equal equal weight and and importance as the boys um which not something i would have thought going into the show when i had just first heard it yeah i gotta say i don't know if i'm quite as hot (laughs) on it as you are but i also had a great time with the show i think overall uh, Gen V was highly enjoyable, a worthy addition to the boys canon. And I have to say, for most of the season, I, I would say I enjoyed it more than recent seasons of the boys, yeah. I would I would yeah. actually argue. And and the reasons for that, I tried to articulate in our last conversation about it, uh, but it's because of the smaller stakes. It's because mm-hmm. it really allowed us to focus on these characters and the dynamics between them. And with the boys, I always feel like I'm getting distracted by... The end of the uh, world. Oh, it turns out it's a government conspiracy, or the president is a soup, or the person who's running to be president is a you know, mm-hmm. like and it just is like, okay, you know, it, it it's such huge stakes in the boys. Whereas in this uh season of television, it's like, hey, can can I get my my roommates to like me? Yeah. You know, yeah. like that's that's like a much more relatable set of stakes, uh, in my opinion. I think the casting on the show was is incredible. Perfect, yeah. Just like Every single actor really embodied that character. Um, I don't think there's a the bad performance among them. Like I just thought it was wonderful um, how well these actors did. Many of whom like are not widely known. Yeah, you know, like not widely known actors. Although that's definitely changed throughout the course of the season. I would expect so. Yeah, I think that the only thing that I didn't like that much about the show, honestly, you know, when we spoke um, early on the season we praised how the show took a very light touch with its integration <laughs> yeah, to the boys universe. Yes. Right. Yeah. And how like, Oh, uh, you don't even need to have seen the boys to enjoy the show. That isn't really true by the end of the no, season. Especially um, in episode seven. Yeah. Seven, seven and eight. Like you really need to have seen the boys to like fully understand the implications of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is a bit of a bummer and prevents this show from fully standing on its own, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the one big downside. Now, for other people, that's going to be a feature, not a bug. Well, that's what was, and those, that was going to be you know, my yeah. argument, too, is that I actually kind of like that because it goes to my point about being this show feeling like it has weight in terms of the overall the boys universe because i i've seen show spinoffs i'm trying to think of like a good example off the top of my head um there's nothing immediately coming to mind but there i've seen shows that are spinoffs of larger series that it just feels like oh this is a superfluous thing that's just sort of there and is just there to like exist that as just another way to like oh yeah we want to make more money off of this franchise but this actually feels like it it honestly if you had sold this as like a season of the boys it feels like it kind of fits very naturally in that narrative 
And I and I kind of really like that. But I could also see that being, as you say, something detrimental to anybody who just wants to watch Gen V and not watch the boys and, and sort of get a holistic experience on its own legs. Yeah. Uh, you know, some examples of like spinoffs, uh, Better Call Saul is like a yes, really good one. Yes, yeah. Obviously, Walking Dead, there's been a lot of... Now, uh, one God, could argue Dead. that, especially <laughs> towards the end, Better Call Saul... Uh, yeah. did require knowledge of the original series, mm-hmm. uh, Breaking Bad. I, I, I would say those, again, I made the same argument on Decoding TV. Those were the weakest part of the, that show, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Better Call Saul was more than strong enough to stand on its own completely independently of Breaking Bad. And when it tried to like lean more on Breaking Bad, that's when I thought it was at its weakest. And um, I feel the same way of Gen V. I feel like, hey, this is a show that like it can be its own. It can spawn its own universe of ideas and characters and realities um and instead you know the final few episodes do make this more feel like kind of um a really good kind of special features for the boys as opposed to like this is its own classic show um that's a little bit unfair but like i was i was saying like i feel like to me it feels like it's it uh it it integrates it well to my, in my opinion, but again, I get where it doesn't stand on its own, but for me, it feels like they, it made the universe feel cohesive, I think in an yeah, interesting yeah, way. Yeah. I'm, yeah, that's true. And I'll try not to harp on this. Much <laughs> no, more. no, 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 it's I, fair. I think, yeah. I think, but I think you're right. You're like, if you, if you are looking for another season of the boys, I think this is a very competent thing that will fill in the gap. Yes. Between the boys season three and four, for sure. Yeah. Like, it's kind of just you know, but it, uh, Here's... I was so impressed by how original um, some of those early episodes felt that I was hoping it would go perhaps in a different direction. There's one other thing I want to say about the show before we start diving into recap and spoilers, and that is that uh, one of the things I like that it carries over from the boys is the ultraviolence mm-hmm. and the gore, and basically it really gets at how physically unpleasant and disgusting having special powers would be in the real world. Yeah. Um, which is something that the boys touched upon. And I think this show really extends in a great way. It's like, wow, your body is like transforming in horrifying ways. You, you have abilities that can like kill people around you by accident. You know, like that would be like really terrifying. And Gen V really is able to capture what that feeling is like, especially if, you know, for, for taking place at a college and when you're in college, you know, your body's going through changes, your feelings are going through changes and all these things. And so it's like, uh, it's a great analogy, you know, for being in college to becoming Mm -hmm. a soup and developing your soup powers. Um, But also the show is just really bloody and gross and disgusting. And I greatly appreciate that. Yeah. And it it feels more natural in a weird way to a super universe where then the boys where is the boys. They usually that grossness is usually there to heighten the sense of detachment. The superheroes have from the rest of uh, Mm. normal people, um, especially from like the very first scene of the boys, uh, the very famous scene of the boys. Whereas here it it feels like if I may extend, expand upon that, right? Like Mm -hmm. basically what you're saying is that, uh, it's the human, the non-soups yeah, exactly. that, are eviscer- that are eviscerated or decapitated mm-hmm. or have their limbs torn off in the boys. Yes, it's always there um, to like make it feel like there's this sort of god complex of the the superheroes that th- like they are just above us all and we are all just ants to them. And it, it and it goes yes. to that sort of like you know criticism of capitalism and all that sort of ideas that that show is playing with. Whereas here, because 
not all, but most of our characters are all superheroes um, and teenagers. It kind of, in a weird way, sort of normalizes it and again goes to what you were just talking about, how this show is much more about sort of emphasizing the weirdness of being in college and puberty and, and being a young kid, being like, I have to figure out my place in this world that is trying to get me to do a billion different things and tell me to be a billion different things, while also my body is being weird and strange and I'm figuring out what sex is. <laughs> so yeah. it, 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 I think, matches. Um, the, the shows use their superpower abilities uh, and the... Uh, grossness that comes with that to their own specific strengths, which I think is great. Yeah. And I, I think also, Jesse, worth drawing a contrast to virtually every other depiction of superpowers, mm-hmm. which is much more, quote unquote, clean, right? Mm-hmm. Much more sanitized. Um, you don't see like Wonder Woman or Superman dealing with like the effects of heat vision on their skin or whatever, you know, yep. like, and I think that this is something like, that's something all, all typically using powers has comes with some kind of cost. Yeah, uh, in the boys and with, in Gen V, and um, often that that cost is either psychological or it's physical. Um, in the case of one of the characters, Kate, uh, she gets uh, like she's just, like bursting blood vessels in her eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, side story, by the way, <laughs> random, random side event is. Uh, one of my Instagram followers messaged me uh, and said that she worked on the show. Oh, wow. And I said, what did you do on the show? She says, I made Kate's contact lenses. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and I was like, "That those are amazing because... Yeah, they look so good. She, they had different kinds and like different... Uh, and they, they needed to stand up to scrutiny because there's many close-ups. Mm-hmm. Of the, basically, one of the characters in the show, if you haven't seen it... Um, when she uses her mind to push people to do things, it causes her eyes to become like super bloody and bloodshot. And the more she does it, the more bloody they become. And so there's like many different phases of her eyes being bloodshot and it all looks very convincing and very great. And so, yeah, no, everything uh, I was, I I always feel fully immersed in this world and I know they have Bezos money, but still it's a TV show budget budget that they're doing this on. Um, And I think it all looks fantastic. I overall was very impressed with the visual effects as well. Mm-hmm. I thought they were really strong. Uh, a surprise at how much money it seems like was spent. It, it really feels like it doesn't feel like uh, you know. There's some shows that it's like, oh, this is the spinoff, and we're spending less money on it comparatively. Mm-hmm. This did not feel like that. This felt no. like they had a full kind of the boys' size budget for the season. Yeah, and I appreciate it. So overall, uh, it sounds like we're both big fans of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I this is one of my favorite things I've watched this year. I just want to put that out there, like. I had a great time watching this show and um, you should check it out. In the market for investment worthy bags, watches and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So let's get to spoilers for uh, Gen V. And what we're going to do is we're going to discuss all the stuff leading up to the finale mm-hmm. uh, and kind of reflect on it a little bit. And then we'll just talk about the finale, what happens there. Yeah. So uh, let's get into it. Uh, let's talk about what happens with uh, Emma and Sam. Emma, the girl who can shrink herself by uh, throwing up, uh, and Sam, who is the uh, Patrick Schwarzenegger's brother, <laughs> who has like super strength. Yes. Uh, and other abilities. And Muppet, okay, so, Muppet vision. <laughs> Muppet vision. So Emma helps Sam brutally escape the woods. Uh, allowing Sam to have his first taste of freedom in years. However, Sam is clearly mentally unwell and struggles with balancing his empathetic nature and his more angry, violent urges. Eventually, he and Emma sleep together and form the beginnings of a romantic relationship that starts to complicate as the rest of the woods' conspiracy unravels, leading to the eventual revelation that Shetty, Dean Shetty has created a soup-killing virus she hopes to make contagious. So let's talk about this plot line. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say overall it's it's a... It's a solid plot line. Um, I felt like the show didn't really start to grapple with what it would mean to be in love with a mentally unwell murderer until literally the last half of the final episode. You yes, know what I'm saying? Like, I agree completely. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the only downside of this because I, the, the two actors have great chemistry with each other and you can believe how these two kind of people who have are outsiders would like find a bond and... Um. Yeah, go ahead, Jesse. What were your thoughts on this whole? Oh, I was just uh, my my big feelings on it were kind of the same as yours. Is I I felt like this alternatively felt too slow and too rushed at the same mm, time. Yes, yes. Where they, I think in episode four, it might have been episode five or four. What very early on with these two characters, you know, I made note of when we did our first review that I really liked their rapport with each other and it worked really really well and they established it very clearly. But then immediately, I think they have sex and they sleep together. And I thought that that would just felt very weird, especially considering that uh, Sam is someone who's been locked up for most of his life uh, and hasn't really had like outside contact. And it just felt like they, they went that route because it was like, this is the college show and we need to have college kids having sex to sort of establish that relationship. And it just, it just didn't feel like it matched up really well with where they were trying to go because I bought like I bought their connection and everything to do with their connection and like they're struggling back and forth of like Emma trying to be there for Sam, but Sam sort of struggling with his mental health and like who I am um, and, and what it means to sort of be outside. I thought all of that worked for me, but I think they just like tried to shove it into a romantic context really, really quickly to sort of play into the expectation of a college level drama. And so I think of all the storylines of the show, I think that was the one that just, it felt uh, again, way too rushed and way too slow at the same time. Cause they were just sort of trying to shove it into these beats that I don't think exactly matched up. Um, I agree with how it felt uh, uh, like overall, like with mm-hmm. what you're saying, I do think I want to give the show a, cre- a little bit credit in some regards. Yeah. First of all, uh, when they first meet, I agree. That's a little rush. Like she kind of, that all happens in like one night. Yeah. Is like she sneaks underground and then meets him and they start bonding right away. 
but you know, when you're in college, maybe that kind of stuff does happen. I mean, I'm not maybe, you know, mm. I've definitely experienced uh, something like that before. So it's like, it's not completely out of their own possibility. And then the, it does have them spend a lot of time with each other yeah. at um, the drive-in movie theater. Mm-hmm. So it does like dedicate some amount of time there, but it's when things like basically after the memory wipe occurs that I think it's like starts to get a little bit like what is happening Emma's feelings and mm-hmm. what what where does um what I call it Sam states you know because really Sam's soul is kind of what this se- uh, part of what this season is about Marie's the main character and and very important but I think what happens to Sam is also probably one of the other plot lines I really invested in mm-hmm. um and so yeah I I, I think that at, like when he shows up and she doesn't remember him, that's a great oh, yeah. moment. That was a really wonderful like, moment. I love that. That's a shocking moment. Um, but then after that, you know, it, it starts to get a little bit more iffy in terms of their relationship. And, and um, uh, but that said, I do like support the fact that the show took the road less traveled and made him not be into what she was selling. You know, like mm-hmm. he chose the path of darkness. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. yeah, no, Go please. Ahead. Yeah, and and that's like an unconventional, or not unconventional, but like it's the less safe path. And maybe they're saving a reunion for later seasons. Um, But at the end of the day, I thought he was going to choose Emma, and instead he chooses his violent, murderous urges. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's kind of in line with the rest of the show, and and I uh, admire the decision. Yeah. So so that's me defending the plotline. Yeah. No, I think I agree with you. I think I think the thing that I'm getting hung up on, and it's weird for me because I'm usually the one that advocates for like we need more like sex in TV shows. It just for me, it didn't it didn't match up where you feature this the fact that Sam has been this guy locked up in this room for pretty much his entire life, and he's been drugged and everything. And not to say that he's not a you know, a 20 something year old kid who has hormonal urges like any 20 year old kid would have. So I get that, but it just was, it just felt weird to me that their first sort of storyline with him was for them to have sex, especially since you established too, that Emma was someone who has sex a lot. And I feel like it would have been, it would have worked better for me if that had been something that they had saved because just the ethics of it feel a little off to me where it's like, mm-hmm. he's clearly mentally unwell. He's clearly been in a room for a while. It's, it, it, it just, I don't know. There's just something that felt like it didn't exactly match up with the way the characters have been depicted to this point that it, that it would make sense to me that it would go that far yeah. that quickly. That, that's fair. I think it wasn't until episode five. Yeah. It might've been five. They actually had sex though. So it was actually, and they met in episode three. So, yeah. you know, it was, it wasn't right away, but I understand what you're saying. And um, I know it's weird for me because I'm usually the one to be like, more sex and things, please. I'm here for it. I think we're <laughs> too prudish generally. But for some reason, it yeah. just it's, it's hard for me to exactly put my finger on, but it just did not feel, it just especially with Sam being someone who's been locked up for so long, it feels like it was just a weird plot line to go down in, in as quick as it did. And again, and again, if it happens in episode five, I know it's a little bit longer, but still it felt a little, I don't know, it still felt a little off as well especially since they made clear that he's not mentally well either and there's there's also an element of like the ethics of that i don't think the show fully grappled with either right right i would agree i'd agree um but you know the idea of a soup virus we find out like Mm -hmm. what's going on in the woods dean shetty uh had her family die in transoceanic flight whatever the one that uh i think was abandoned by yeah yeah, was abandoned by homelander right Mm mm-hmm uh, probably one of the best scenes of the show, you know, mm-hmm. a very heart wrenching scene. 
and uh, and she's trying to study the children to engineer a virus that will kill all soups um, because she hates them. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I, I love that plot line. I thought that, that was yeah. a really it was a way to make Shetty really interesting. That wasn't just like because uh, my initial thought on her character, she was sort of like vicarious uh, vaught, like step stand right, in. Right, right. I think that's what you're supposed to think. You're yeah. supposed to think she's like a Vought extension. Yes. Right? But, but no, she has yeah. her own motivations that go against Vought that I thought had a lot of depth to her character that made her really, really interesting. I think my big question is, is this like base? Is this a, a good representation of how much stuff happens at Godolkin University <laughs> in a year? Yeah. Because uh, if so, very eventful. Very eventful uh, years go- happen in the show. So in the school, I should say. How long, how long right, is the talk- timeline of the show too, by the way? It feels like it's been like only like a couple weeks, but is it a yeah, maybe like a semester? Cu- a couple months? Yeah. A couple months, it feels like? Yeah, something yeah. like that, yeah. There, yeah, I don't, I, th- I think, yeah, not very much time. Yeah. Not very much time. All right. Uh, let's talk about Marie a little bit. Do you want to read this one? Yeah. Uh, Jesse, since you, you know, Jesse wrote all these. So go ahead, Jesse. <laughs> uh, Marie, worried for, Marie, worried for Emma, tries looking for her around the campus, eventually leading her to a dangerous, <laughs> I see now what you wanted me to read. Read this one. A dangerous near sexual <laughs> assault encounter with psychic student Rufus, whose penis is blown up by Marie when Jordan interrupts the assault. Marie and Jordan slowly begin to bond as celebrity soup investigator Tech Knight begins to investigate Luke's death as a cover up for Vought. Tech eventually gets Marie to confess that she had nothing to do with Luke's death in front of her class, but eventually Marie goes to Victoria Newman, the head-popping politician from The Boys, with information on the woods and the soup virus. Newman uses the information to then get her hands on the soup virus, potentially tying into The Boys Season 4. Yeah. So, a a bunch of stuff to talk about there. First of all, Tech Knight Oh, great. Amazing. wonderful. <laughs> like, what an amazing character and like the concept of the character and the performance is amazing. And uh, the only downside of it is that it was only one episode. I was like, maybe Tech Knight's going to be like the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. And that would have been awesome. But he was kind of disposed of within one episode. And that was the only bummer. Especially, especially uh, they even set up too that he's um, very much like he might die in the future because he has something going on in his brain that also is causing his desire to fuck every hole that uh, he sees, which is also pretty funny pretty funny bit at the end there uh which i loved but yeah it's like oh man what a what a i, I mean you know so there's something to be said with the show being confident enough to create this great character and be like nope we're done with him uh um, yeah so you know i'd rather that than just try and, him out. and his interrogation of marie was like amazing scenes just like wow like that's a really the the way like everything about that character was like the fact that cameras follow them everywhere the the wardrobe like uh, the way he spoke, I I thought the lighting on the interview was like purposefully terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they were like underlit from only one angle when he's like interviewing Andre. You know, it's just like very much like every, very much like a cheap TV uh sort of vibe to it that I loved. Yeah, right. Like everything about it was awesome. The way he treats his staff, like it just felt like a fully fleshed out character that I was like, I completely buy that. And the idea of like a soup being a true crime. Oh yeah. Host. Oh yeah. Is like a very they do a good job of making him terrifying because they establish that like everyone who he thinks is guilty gets like completely effed up. Like mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like he will like torment them or torture them and possibly kill them. Yep. And so uh yeah, it's just it's just a great idea for a character. I loved it. And yeah. I think like he's used very effectively, especially for Marie, because I think that moment where she admits that she 
wasn't the one who fought Luke and didn't deserve credit for it, I think was a very important moment to get right because it is kind of a crucial moment for her character. And it's something that would be very difficult for her to admit because she has been very like, I need to get mine because of how she's been treated her whole life and deservedly so. So it needed to be a really strong scene to really sell that moment. And I think they played it really, really well with Tech Knight sort of drawing it out of her and and pushing upon each one of her insecurities. Um, And then there was also the underlying tension of like, he might even drag out of her that she knows about the woods, which at that point in the series was something that she didn't want to reveal. So there's just uh, really well done layers of character work, uh, extra tension, and then just the added fun of Tech Knight himself. So it just, yeah, as you said, it was a really, really excellent scene. Agreed. Um, now, Marie, as a character throughout the season, I think has been a really strong protagonist. Um, I think the show kind of started to get away from Marie as the yeah. show went on. Like it, she, she was like the main character in the first couple episodes. And then as the show went on, it started focusing on Emma more and Sam more and the Dean Shetty's machinations and so on. And again, I think that's like, to the show's detriment a little bit. Like, I think like when it kept it tightly focused on Marie, it was like, this is a really strong story about this one character's struggle to navigate. Mm-hmm. And then by the end, it was a little bit, um, a little bit more all over the place. I will say what they did a good job of is um, going from, Oh, this character's, <laughs> do you remember on family guy? There was like one episode where uh, all the family guy people got special powers and Meg's special power was she could grow fingernails. Really yes, fast. I do remember that. Yes. And when, when, I, when you're introduced to Marie and that's like considered a useless ability. And so when you're introduced to Marie, it's like, Oh, this character's abilities are like kind of terrible. Like mm-hmm. they're disgusting to look at. No one likes them. They don't sell, they don't play well to the flyover States, you know, like whatever. Uh, but then by the end, it's, it's like, badass. this could be the most powerful soup of them all Mm -hmm. in 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 that she has the ability to first of all detect whether other people are soups Mm -hmm. like that's a big deal and b like she can single-handedly explode their body parts yep blood daggers Uh, as well blood daggers she can make people's hearts stop like she can and it's like wow like by the end she actually really does have a lot of powers uh so i i think they did a great job like conveying her abilities i will say uh what is up with Rufus, man? Like she explodes <laughs> his pe, she explodes his penis, and in the next scene, he's walking comfortably. Yeah, yeah. My, the only way I could make that make sense uh, was like they must have someone on campus who has like healing powers and can like yeah. touch, do do a pull a green mile and just grab <laughs> grab his penis. It's it's just so <laughs> it's so weird that they didn't explain that at all. I mean, one of my favorite shots is she explodes his penis, and then like they literally walk down the hallway leisurely afterwards, yeah. like. That's fine. Oh, that's it's, not a big. No, it's fine. That happens yeah. every like now and then, you know. Like, uh, meanwhile, he's pro- what is he doing? Is he calling the ambulance? Yeah, like, what is, you know, like, who knows? Yeah, it's, it's weird that they didn't do. I don't think they did anything to address Even, it. At all. Especially like, it's like that feels like a natural, just like follow up joke too. Like in the background, like the character bringing right. up like casually. There was not even like a gag to it. Like I feel like yeah, or, or one offhanded line. Like it's a good thing I was able to get so and so to patch me up or, because blo- you know yeah, just something. joking like being like I had again being like <laughs> I had to get her to green mile me or something like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. something. Yeah, yeah, something. alas, but yeah, but yeah. What did you think of Maria as a protagonist? 
this. I I really liked her as well. Like I think I as you said, I think the the show does get away from her a little bit again to its detriment. Not because I don't like the other characters. I actually found some of the ways some of the other characters get developed, particularly as we'll talk about in a little bit. Kate, um, I think was really interesting. Um, but I do think it sort of like makes the show lose a little focus in the middle of the series, uh, as I was sort of talking about in our spoiler free section. And so I think that kind of and by the end i think it loses a bit of her plot lines where we'll talk about the finale a little bit more in just a second but where like there's stuff where it's sort of offhandedly mentioned like oh we'll get you to talk to your sister and it's just sort of like a line in the finale here and there um and it's like that was such a driving force of her narrative for the first three or four episodes that it just sort of seemed weird that it was kind of just tossed aside a little bit towards the end and i'm sure it'll come back around in future seasons um but uh but yeah it just feels like it gets away from her the other thing too that i found really interesting since we were talking about her powers is i actually really liked uh the connection to victoria newman um you know we were talking about in the spoiler free section about how her like this show very much requires boys knowledge which i think with her character particularly is like a character you really need to know a lot about the boys not that she's a superfluous character in the boys she's very front and center but you do need to be invested with the boys is going on to fully get what's going on with her here however what i did like a lot was her connection to marie and drawing that out because i actually hadn't made the connection that they had the same powers at all um until this that episode where i'm like oh that makes perfect sense. And it kind of exploded my mind and like, oh, it not only gives Marie uh, some more connections and and things to play with as the season went along. But as we do get into the boys season four, and presumably Newman will be a strong presence in that show too, kind of adds to her threat level um, as we go into that season too, which is an interesting sort of dovetailing I think the show is doing. It was a great conversation that they had uh, at the school, you know, they kind of meet in Victoria Newman's green room. Mm-hmm. And I really loved the conversation they had where Victoria kind of presents the choices to her. She's like, Hey, you can keep pursuing this little murder mystery or whatever, <laughs> yeah. but like, you know, what's going on with the woods, but F- or you could become one of the seven, you know, become the first African-American woman member of the seven. And, uh, have your own line of t-shirts and you know uh cookware and all this thing you know, like and and then that's like and then be friends with the vice president and like that's real power and it is the bargain that is presented to most uh ideal uh idealists right mm-hmm. is like hey you have these principles you want to pursue them but by the way if you sacrifice some of them you can actually achieve more power with which to exert more influence and wouldn't that be better for the world but also become part of the system itself which is is very much a it's a theme of both the boys and uh gen v you know we were talking about in our first review about how this show both these series are very much about the institutions and how the institutions sort of prey upon individuals and sort of isolate them and and make them focus on individualistic goals and so i think that that sort of uh you know choice that's presented to Marie, I think is, is emblematic of the larger ideas that the both series are trying to discuss of, do you work within your group of friends to fight back against these larger structural problems? Or do you kind of think, or do you, you fall into the lie of you can become part of the system and change it from the inside? You know, you can, you can, you know, you can just change, you can fix the system sort of idea. Um, I think that that was a really, really excellent play and and again adds depth to both characters i think yeah 
Finally, want to give a shout out to Newman's last scene with uh, Car- Dr. Cardosa, mm-hmm. where she kind of takes the the <laughs> virus. She's like, you're the only person that can replicate this, right? Uh, you know, wink, wink. And we all know what's going to happen, oh, yeah. but I still think the way it played out was pretty cool. Where she's like, hey, don't worry, your family, it's all taken care of. She hands him a card, which, by the way, is like, <laughs> she's only do that just Power to look move. cool, right? Yeah. There's no function. And then he looks down at the card, it's blank. Mm-hmm. And that's when his head explodes. Like, he sees the blood drip down on it and his, his head explodes. It's a really amazing death. Um, but I have to say, Jesse, kind of showy. Yeah, show yeah. Um with the card because it's like uh, you're just leaving. Those. You're leaving what Colin Farrell in Minority Report would call an orgy of evidence <laughs> behind. Well, the- a the fact that his head was exploded, and b like a card with her fingerprints on it. You know, like uh, it just it just um, it looked cool, but it's like it doesn't make it's like people dudes walking away from explosions without looking like. It looks cool, but it's not exactly how it'd play out in real life. I think, oh, you know? I think it's just more of my funny is just thing is just thinking of logistics of she had to like go and buy like a bunch of blank like business cards <laughs> and be like, oh, this is gonna be so good. <laughs> gonna, gonna be so, he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna be so confused for like two seconds <laughs> he before he gonna dies. It's gonna be it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> she gotta get her jolly somewhere and be like, all right, this is gonna be so funny. <laughs> so I loved it. Yeah. He's going to be so confused before I explode his head two seconds later. It's like, really? Was it worth Was the <laughs> whole setup worth, worth that one, two seconds of... <laughs> I'm just imagining you're running around. It's like, oh, man, this Staples didn't have any blank business cards. I got to run over to the Best Buy or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got to make this gag work. <laughs> it's also like a really, like, you know, incriminating, like... Yeah, this woman came in and she just bought like five hundred <laughs> blank cards. I can I buy one? Sense. She was. She asked me, "Can I buy one?" She said she only needed one. <laughs> she bought it like a Lucy from a bodega. She's like, "I just need one." Bl-. She went to Vista Print. She's like, "I just need one blank, <laughs> <laughs> one blank business card." <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, love moving it. on. Um, uh, oh, I, I will say, you know, looking over the notes, you say we've got to talk about Rufus Penis Explosion. Yes. That was a, we, we did talk about it, but that is, it just was really graphic. Oh, it was very right? graphic. Yeah. Shockingly graphic. Mm-hmm. Gotta give a shout out to that. Um, and, and one of the most horrifying, like, ideas, which is why it's all the more weird that it was never followed up on. It, it is very follow up on. I mean, oh, man, this is, this is a dark joke, so apologies, but it's a trans woman. I was like, ah, that's not that horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> sorry you can cut that you, if you like, want I've, to but I, I've, I've seen i've experienced worse, I, yeah you know, yeah like, it's like oh yeah no that's fine with me i've seen that i've seen that happen <laughs> <laughs> welcome to having oh. trans friends <laughs> all right well let's talk about jordan uh jordan and marie slowly begin to form a relationship this season as jordan struggles with not being the star pupil or brink's favorite student only caring about themselves at others expense However, uh, Jordan and Marie awaken in bed together, having no memory of the woods or how they got there. After investigating why they and the rest of their group have no memories, they uncover that Kate was working with Shetty all along, erasing their memories to cover up the woods. Uh, I like this relationship. I think they have great chemistry. And I do think uh, I wish they'd explored this idea because there's this moment where Jordan turns into a guy. Mm -hmm. Um to be with Marie because she assumes that it's what Marie wants. And then like later on, it's she, I think they, let's call them Jordan. They, mm-hmm. um, later on, Jordan, I think decides that that's not necessary anymore. And that's like a cool, um, transition. But 
I do wish there had just been a tiny bit more time dedicated to like how Jordan navigated that dynamic. What do you think, Justin? Well, I was going to agree. I mean, I put it in notes. Like uh, the two things that I really loved about Jordan's journey this uh, this entire season was that it was not based around their gender issues solely. Because one of the biggest negatives I see often with trans representation is that when you have a trans character in a show, it often becomes just about their trans issues and their trans issues are not incidental. We saw it with their parents in episode, I think three. And then those moments with Marie, which I, I love and I agree with you. I think that that was, especially in a show about teenagers figuring themselves out through sex and their bodies uh, about a, a gender fluid character like Jordan trying to navigate how to be themselves uh, in a sexual situation with a partner and like navigating their partner's comfortability, like something I've dealt with as a trans person being like, you know, my body has had different looks and shapes and sizes throughout um, my own journey. And so I've had to explain being like, this is what I'm comfortable with. This is what I'm not comfortable with. And also navigating what the other person's comfortable with, with a trans person. So it, it was just, it felt very real. And it's something I've very rarely seen on television or anywhere at all. Um, either realistically or superpowers and i thought it was it was very well handled and i wish it we had gotten more of it but even beyond that i do love that jordan's journey is more about uh their trying to figure out like how to wrestle with their own ego and i love that we get in the flashback episode where we're in kate's mind there there we see the scene where they become sort of brink's favorite student and you realize how it's played very earnestly in episode one, but in that episode, you realize that it was just Brink trying to cover up stuff going on with Luke and just handing Jordan this position just to kind of quiet them and cut off them from doing anything. But Jordan taking that and feeling seen for the first time because someone in authority was saying that they trusted them, which is something that they hadn't gotten from their parents. And so it dovetails with gender issues, yet it doesn't directly... it. it it doesn't directly uh, like have to do with them being a boy or a girl, but it comes from that same insecurity of them being a full person and character. So it was just so well handled where you sense where this character's insecurities come from, but it's not directly, uh, it's not directly focused on gender issues. So I just, I thought Jordan was so well handled this season. And then kind of, as you mentioned her relationship or their relationship, excuse me, um, with Marie uh, was, really really also well handled because i i love their relationship like front to back about how they start off as a place of being rivals and then that sort of like their need to interact with each other sort of drawing them closer right. together i just no, overall jordan was great not even rivals like jo- jordan not even thinking uh, anything of marie more marie is worthy of being around mm-hmm. you know like mm-hmm. uh, to their uh uh, in love with each other, you know, I, I bought it. Like yep. it's all, you know, it's a common trope that like you often have chemistry with people who you hate, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and to see it develop in this way, I thought was very plausible. And uh, yeah, these these actors have great chemistry with each other, um, all three of them. I was gonna say it, it so, has to be even yeah. more complicated when you have to do it with uh, with two actors playing the same character. <laughs> so I also thought it was there was a kind of great moment in the dream sequence you know i i guess like a lot of boys episodes have dream sequences mm-hmm, you know? mm-hmm. this is the thing is like i remember there's a season of the boys where there's like one whole episode that took place inside one character's head and they they pulled out that trick for this show as well yes um but where jordan kind of confronts themselves mm-hmm. and that was like a really interesting dynamic to, to to see like the two versions of jordan 
talk to each other. It's probably the only time that we're going to get to see those two actors on screen at the same time because they can only do so on a psychic plane or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So no, um, it's, so, yeah. it's something funny that uh, spoilers for my own movie that I worked on, but it's a similar vibe where I have two characters essentially playing similar characters. Um, and so I was just watching. And I was like, Oh man, that's cool. Inspiration for my own stuff. <laughs> it was very nice to steal from. So. I remember during our first podcast conversation about this, you were kind of, uh, mildly miffed at the fact that <laughs> oh oh we Jordan can transform from a man to a woman um and also has super strength now mm-hmm. like that was a new thing well not only do they have super strength apparently they also have like sonic blasts yeah that come out of their hands is is another well, thing well apparently so. apparently uh someone explained to me like and they don't maybe we talked about it where it's like different gender presentations of Jordan had different powers and that's where they would mm. switch during the fights Mm. Um, it's like, I think, I think the guy Jordan has super strength and then like, like girl right. Jordan has like invulnerability or something like that. There was someone broke it down for me. Well, that they have like energy blasts mm-hmm. that come out of their arms, yeah. but it's never explained in the show. No, I think, which right? I, I, I honestly, to a degree, I think, I think there, there's somebody who said it could have been communicated a little bit clearer, but honestly, yeah. somebody who said where the show doesn't, doesn't sit there and be like, this is how my powers work. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't need, I don't need someone to poke a hole through a piece of paper and explain to me <laughs> how two pieces of paper can hold together that whole thing. Yeah, the, 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 you know, we travel through time on a straight line. But <laughs> exactly. like, the event horizon can fold bo- time together. Okay, anyway. Exactly. Um, all right, tell us about what happened with Andre this season, Jesse. Hell yeah. Um, Andre and Kate continue to grow close until Kate's duplicity is revealed, driving a wedge in their relationship. Andre spi- spirals and also grows more distant from his father, a former Seven member, due to his father's awareness of the woods. That is until his father begins to have superpowered seizures, forcing Andre to run to his dad's rescue and reconcile. So, uh, I thought this plotline was fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it uh, there was just not very much of it. I, I wish we had gotten a better understanding. Like you know, Andre has daddy issues, <laughs> and we we get a sense of how well respected polarity is, but like we don't really know what the stakes are of like. Andre for Andre and his family of Andre not living up to Polarity's name. I don't think it's no, no, really well conveyed. Yeah. Um Yeah, I think it's Andre's a... relationship Yeah, go ahead. Oh, sorry, yeah, go. Oh. His relationship with Kate is kind of interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Like um and there's a great moment in the dream sequence when we find out that he's been cheating you know, he has been sleeping with Kate since like long before Yes, yeah. uh the relationship with Golden Boy ended or you know, Golden Boy died. Mm. And that was a really amazing sequence because everyone's like watching the TV screens where like the the sex is playing out, and it's like, wow, that would be really uncomfortable if that happened in real life, right? When if you feel like, <laughs> oh boy, and with with and also your the weird memory ghost of your dead friend who can also, I guess, kill you in the dream uh, yeah. is there. It was it was very it was actually very effectively handled. I actually uh, we just to talk about it really quickly since we already mentioned a couple times the the whole dream sequence where we're in someone's head i though it appeared in the voice and it's also it's like a regular trope in a lot of different media recently where it's like we're going inside someone's head and we're going to like see different memories it's it's kind of a regular sort of uh storyline that you see often in shows particularly genre shows here i thought it worked very well because of how much it felt like things didn't play by the normal rules like luke actually being dangerous within the dream and like turning on them outside of the memory and confronting them as well as all of their different memories sort of merging together. Um, and we get different ones for each characters. I thought it was a, I thought it was a really clever way to play with that sort of established 
sort of episode format that I've seen. Um, but yeah, I agree with you with Andre and his dad. It it, it sort of devolved into where it's like that that storyline is interesting, and I would have really loved to see like the the pressure of being like essentially kind of being a legacy student. You know, my dad went on to do great things. He's known right. at this university, um, and I'm supposed to be like live up to that that legacy that he had. Um, and that's interesting and something that fits this sort of, you know, college storyline, but it mostly just evolves into Andre sort of like looking stoically at the window <laughs> or like looking kind of upset or thinking about things. Um, and it doesn't really, there's no real, in, really intriguing scenes until it's ultimately resolved at the end where his father has the seizures. Um, yeah. so yeah, it, it was just one of those, like, I wish we had gotten more of like, again, something like maybe with his mother or other family members or something like with the seven, just something to play on that a little bit more than we ultimately got. Yeah. Uh, well, let's dive into the Kate stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So Kate's duplicity is revealed. She falls into a catatonic state. Uh, the rest of the group, uh, enters her mind. You, you wrote here, enters her mind. I think they're forced into her mind. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Uh, and after a cameo from Kate, uh, from Kate's imaginary childhood boyfriend, Soldier Boy, uh, they discover Kate has been helping Shetty siphon power from Sam to Luke without Luke's knowledge for years, um, seeing Shetty as a mother figure after her own parents abandoned her when she accidentally killed her brother. After surviving her catatonia, Kat confronts Shetty, eventually killing her in the hopes of getting revenge for how she and other soups were manipulated and treated. So I, I want to also praise the dream sequence mm-hmm. uh, in the show. I usually hate these freaking things. Yeah, me Jesse, as well. I like. I don't like dream sequences in, in TV shows. Um, I've I've already complained about it before, <laughs> but basically it's like on decoding TV. But basically it's like I'm already watching a fictional thing. Yep. Like I don't need to watch a fictional person have a fictional dream. Like just if you want to tell me something, tell me something in the fictional world. Yes. Uh, but this is a very good version of the dream sequence, uh, and I like how like it largely adheres to the rules of, for instance, Soldier Boy not knowing what truths have been revealed about the actual soldier boy yes. in the boy show, because he, he wouldn't know because it's Kate's memory of soldier. Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I love the part where he's like, look, if you want to survive, then the number one thing you have to remember is, and then he's Dead. annihilated out of existence. <laughs> exactly. Anytime that happens, I I've seen that joke like 10 times. It always gets me every time. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Uh, so, uh, and then, yeah, the idea of having stakes, like you die in the dream, you die in real life. Like that's, that's all very, you know, standard. it's effectively done. I should also say um, on that note too, the show, I I don't hate dream sequences as much. I just often find them be like to be just a forced way to get like a, a character that died to come back into the show or something. It's like, oh, we want to have this guest actor come back for an episode. So they're a dream uh, that they're seeing or something like that. They're hallucination that they're having. That's, just, I just find it very tropey. This didn't do that. And then also the storylines that I, hate the most i despise memory loss storylines mostly mm. because when memory loss storylines are done in shows i often find that they're i often find like they lose all tension and deflate the storyline and just made to keep things running for a little bit longer like add an episode because usually you're just waiting for the characters to figure out stuff that you already know um as the the audience member and so i just find them sort of just trying to run in place a lot of the time here. It works really well because of how it plays into Kate and how Kate eventually you learn who that it's her. And she 
is trying to make everyone lose their memories at different points and trying to sort of patch it up. But you see characters being like, I remember this part. You don't remember this part. Let's remember like the part where Marie gets her memory erased, but then Jordan remembers stuff. It was just, it was very well played in how complicated that got. Uh, and that felt like it was actually adding to the tension rather than just sort of keeping wheels spinning in place mm. that find most memory loss storylines to, to be. So. Yeah. Yeah. There was some, some good conversation between Jordan recognizing that Marie had experienced memory loss mm-hmm. that Jordan hadn't. Mm-hmm. That was kind of interesting. Yeah. I wrote a couple of notes here that I wanted to mention before we get to the finale. Um, one of them is one disappointment I had with the show is uh, we don't get much more perspective from parents who injected the drug into the kids. Yeah. And, you know, this is a thing like it's referred to like, yeah, these, all these parents just wanted to make a quick buck off the kids. And it's like, uh, what was going through these parents' minds? Like, yeah. what was, what, like, were they tortured about it? Were they happy about it? You know, like, um, were they afraid? Did they feel betrayed when some of the kids ended up? Because every parent who either got killed or had a child killed because one of their children turned out to be soups in, was in some way responsible for that. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. they injected compound V into the blood. And I just wish we'd gotten a little bit more of that perspective. Like what, and I what think, is going on in the parents' minds when they do that? Like what's And there's also you know? something to be said yeah. too about the um I mean, this might end up being way too complicated for the show in the time that it had, but there's something to be said. It could have dove into what the boys and Gen V does really well, talking about like racial dynamics of that, because I'm sure, you know, the rich preppy families who are like able to pay for their kids stuff are just like, yeah, we want to give our kids all the best drugs where I'm certain, you know, you have more lower income, maybe minority folks who are just like, maybe this will be a chance to give my child a better life, you know, that sort of thing. So there's, there's even things to be said about like differing parents' motivations across class and racial statuses, which would have been interesting to explore. Indeed. Indeed. A couple of other quick notes, and then let's get to the finale yeah. conversation. Um, I also wrote that, like when I was watching, I just wrote down a few observations I wanted to share throughout the course of the season, and it doesn't fit neatly into anything that we've discussed so far. Um, don't love the plot of an institution developing a deadly virus in a lab. <laughs> <That's what I> <laughs> <wrote>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought about yeah. that too. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, And then I do think like the all the soups screaming, you will not control us was very yeah, I love that. evocative and uh, upsetting, yeah. you know, like in a, um, and it, it, it's also kind of interesting to reflect on the fact that like, I was watching the honest trailer for Gen V and they're like, I, they they pretty clearly make out Homelander to be a fascist in like the first couple seasons, but they're like, just in case you don't get the reference, uh, he's gonna literally fall in love with a Nazi. <laughs> yes, <laughs> very over. And, and yeah, and uh, and so the show is not subtle, and uh, but yet many people still seem to miss the point. But I do think that like the "you will not control us" is like a very you know it, it evokes real life. It evokes um, evokes white, 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 white supremacist, supremacist white supremacist yeah, movements. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. And, um, uh, and I'm glad that the show continues to kind of. Um, tackle that to lampoon that to to kind of bring our attention to that because 
it's important. Yeah. And I think it's important to recognize too, like this is a much better handling of it than, uh, <laughs> than secret invasion did earlier this year. I, could, <laughs> I just, I just want to draw attention to it because just because this is a super, literally, by the way, that sentence could be said about everything. virtually literally every everything show yes. and every topic. Yes. Okay, oh, I'm, I'm well aware, but I at least want to, <laughs> it's just an interesting parallel to me because you have this show, which, uh, on Gen V and the boys as well. Cause it also uses very much like Trumpian political, uh, stuff for Homelander throughout that series as well. It's very clear in how it's utilizing that imagery and how it's targeting that imagery and how it's associating that imagery with certain viewpoints. Whereas, you know, something like Secret Invasion just seems to do it for aesthetic where you have like, you know, people in red hats shooting up lizard people controlling the media. And I'm like, that's just leaning into anti-Semitic conspiracy theories without any analysis of that. So it's just, I, I just, it was just an interesting contrast to me to see a show a superhero show, no less, that was using it with very pre- with precision in terms of its satire versus something like Secret Invasion, which just felt like it was just doing it to give it the sense of weight. Versus, so, so, versus Secret Invasion, which borrowed almost directly from the protocols of the elders yep, of Zion yep. without without seeming to know that it did so. Uh, yep, exactly. Um, it, that show is just straight up anti-Semitic conspiracy theories put in the MCU, and that's wonderful. Lo- love that for us. Well, <laughs> well, well fortunately... No one is ever going to speak of it again. So. Secret in- what? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Let's talk about the finale of Gen V season one. Mm-hmm. All right. So in the finale, Vought CEO, Ashley, arrives at God U to try to spin Luke's suicide and find a fresh member of the Seven. Kate and Sam work together to release the soups locked in the woods, leading to mass chaos on campus as the soups begin to rampage and murder any non-soups in their path. Emma confronts Sam, who accuses Emma of only caring about herself, ending their relationship, and asks Kate to take away his ability to feel emotions. Andre learns that his father's seizures were caused by brain damage, caused by his superpowers, something that may also, in fact, impact Andre himself, causing the two to reconcile. Marie, Jordan, Emma, and Andre attempt to stop the chaos, eventually taking down Kate as Marie learns the true extent of her powers. Homelander arrives. Dun, dun, dun. (sighs) Cameo. And accuses Marie of attacking her own kind and shoots her down. Marie, Jordan, Emma, and Andre all awaken in a strange room with no idea where they are or how they got there. In an after credit sequence, Billy Butcher from the Boys franchise arrives to investigate the woods' ruins, presumably in search of the soup virus. So that is the finale. Uh, some great sequences in the finale, mm-hmm. like lots of people getting brutally murdered. Uh, <laughs> the only weird thing about the finale was how often... Kate would just seem to sneak up from off screen <laughs> and, and touch, touch someone. someone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the problem. Like, you have a touch based power ability. You just need to figure out ways to like get in there. And the way to do it is even though you would totally be able to see her, if you were the p- person on screen, uh, she appears from like out of frame and touches the person. And it's like, it's almost playing a reverse Batman. You know, those things where it's like mm-hmm. turn around and Batman's gone. It's like, turn around and she's there. So- <laughs> yeah. She's there. She's there. Yeah. Uh, so there were some good moments there, but yeah. Um, what did you think of the finale? I thought it was a really, really strong finale. Uh, I had a friend of mine, literally, as we were, as uh, I was watching, texting me, he's like, are you watching the finale? Because it gets wild. And I yeah. will say, like, the, the, the action sequences in it were just a, a plus, in my opinion. I thought they were all very effective. There was, it, it would have been very easy for the show to, like, lose weight in those moments because the finale is a lot of action sequences. But everyone feels unique. It feels like it adds something new. It doesn't feel superfluous. Like, you get the moment where um, Marie sort of learns that she can sense other 
people through their blood. And we get that with Translucent Sun, who we've been seeing throughout the whole season. Um, you get the fun stuff with, uh, you know, Marie throwing, you know, blood knives at people. Uh, this The uh, soups from the woods, like going around and being like, are you a soup? Nope. And then going to the next one and blowing that person up when they when they weren't a soup. So that, it was just- that was most upsetting mm-hmm. scene of the episode was when he goes up to this person and he's like, are you a soup? And she's like, no, I'm an adjunct professor <laughs> of marketing. Yep. That that woman is making $18,000 a year mm-hmm. teaching at Kadolkin University. She probably has had a very difficult life. Yeah. Not anymore, I guess. Re- <laughs> <laughs> and her reward is like she gets burned. Her, her, her skull is burned alive by mm-hmm. that soup. I was like... Wow, yeah, that was that was harsh, but also very appropriate for the boys. I love the scene where Marie uses the blood knives to like kill the person heading towards the helicopter. Yep. That's an amazing moment, and um, and it does, it, you know, it raises the it reminds me of the fact that this is one of those shows where, um, you know, you know, when you watch the Avengers, like <laughs> Loki comes in and you know throws a bunch of like things blow up and no one's um, hurt. No one's hurt. In reality, there's like, you know, body parts flying everywhere and people <laughs> yeah. dying left and right. And like in the Battle of New York, there would have been. And uh, but you don't see any of that. And like a show like Gen V and the show like The Boys actually shows you what the human cost is of superheroes galvanting around. Anyway. Jesse, I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no, no. What I mean, that's no, that was I was you, I agree with you completely. I mean, it's something that the the boys and Gen V has been directly confronting with stuff like they make fun of Zack Snyder superhero stuff, which like the big criticism of Zack Snyder, especially Man of Steel, is he literally blows up the entirety of Metropolis and it's it's <laughs> it's level. Then you hear should hear screams and everything's like, oh yeah, it's all great, we're good. So yeah, I mean, like it's it, it's a it's an intentional thing on the point, I think the point of the series to do that. And I think it was very effective on that front. Um, I'm curious what you thought of um Cat and Sam sort of turn to be genocidal at the end. Um, because it I was trying to square in my mind, it's like it makes sense for me, but it is so quick to go extremely brutal. Um, and I think it works well well enough because of how effectively we didn't talk about it too much, like Kate's trauma and manipulation by Shetty worked. And then Sam, I could buy a lot more because of how much he's been uh, abused throughout his whole life. So it was just an interesting sort of like, wow, this escalated very quickly moment. But I think it was, it was generally very effective. The Shetty stuff. I'm still kind of working through, honestly, because there's a really beautiful scene where, you know, Kate has been mind controlling her, her friends all season, right? And by the way, there's a really effective sequence where we see that she has made Luke forget things many, many times, mm-hmm. which is like really haunting. Um, I guess I am curious. You know, I want to I want to answer your question, but yeah. I want to take another tangent, sure. if I may. Please. Which is, how would you feel if one of your friends had been, you find out one of your friends had been mind wiping you like once or twice over the course of the last like six months for very important things. Oh, I would be like, extremely pissed off. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would be much more pissed off than I think a lot of these characters would be. But there's also somebody said that it's a slightly more normalized, I guess, to a degree in this world, but not too much. I think they clearly saw it as a red, a red line, you mm-hmm. know, um, 
Like, they were really upset about it, but there, there was no real effort at understanding why Kate would be doing this. Well, I like, think, I think that, I, that worked in the, in the flashback sequence where they saw how she was manipulated by Shetty. And I think that, yeah. harsh, that empathy is partially what led them to being more forgiving or at least understanding of right, Kate's right. of Kate's position. So I think that that, that ultimately worked for me. Um, and I, and I buy it overall too that Kate would have this turn and would have made these choices because again, of how, how much she had been manipulated by Shetty. Like the sequences where we do see in her mind and we see that, like we see the moment where she killed her brother and how much her parents just like checked out after that and be like, she's locked in a room. We're never talking to her. Like just the, the, the emotional um, and physical abuse that she faced that Shetty then came in and took advantage of. And then Kate seeing that and kind of starting to recognize how she had been used. I could very much see this, this turn for her. Yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, every, every parent other than maybe Jordan's, by the way, <laughs> seemingly is just like, how dare they have superpowers that, that we I, gave them that we gave them. <laughs> No, none of the parents are like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, none of the parents are like, I saw this coming. You know, n- none of the parents are like that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so they obviously perceive it as a violation. That's completely fair. And I, I think there's like an understood, it almost feels like there's an understood rule, like the, the thin soup wall, as it were, of like, <laughs> you never use your powers on each other. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, and, and I think they just have this rule. And, and, and like, if they, they, if they do use it on each other, then it's like really, upsetting to everyone um but the the shetty stuff okay so uh there's this actually very powerful scene where shetty kind of spills her guts to kate and is like hey like yes i'm trying to annihilate your entire species but i still love you and then kate kind of reads her mind and is like hey you're not lying mm-hmm. and that's a very beautiful moment and i thought oh maybe shetty and kate will actually remain colleagues or friends or whatever next scene kate is causing shetty to assassinate herself Mm -hmm. um which i thought was like what happened there i i guess like it wasn't that important to kate that like um that dean shetty was telling the truth or that other things were more important like the fact that shetty wants to exterminate all soups right like so um but it does seem like there is a missing link there like a, yeah, you know. I wish I wish there was something more there to explain what I, because honestly, until Dean Shetty is bleeding out on the floor, I literally thought the whole thing could have been a setup. I like, thought, I thought too, yeah. yeah, yeah, I thought they were like teaming up and they're faking Shetty dying. You know, um, yeah, I thought that. And was... then when she says like "Don't help," she says to Marie, "Don't help." I'm like, oh, because this is all fake and Shetty's still alive. Like, mm. um, but no, I really think it does seem like Shetty is dead. Yeah, I think, I think she's very, very much. The thing that I thought was going to happen that moment was Marie was going to use her blood powers to keep her alive was also my thing. Too. Yeah. Well, well, and that's Kate, why Kate, Kate says don't help. Yeah. Kate stops yeah. Don't help. Exactly. Right? Which is very like, yeah, it is. Yeah. It, 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 again, it's one of those things that I could buy, but it just feels like there is like a missing, like the, like the scene should have gone on longer. Like the first scene with Kate, just like there's a, few missing lines of dialogue or something where that turn happens so i agree um so that that's uh, just like rufus's unrepaired (laughs) genitalia like that's another scene where i'm like huh what was going on there um but yeah kate wanting to kill all humans Mm -hmm. uh that makes sense because uh obviously they put her through a lot uh shetty has been deceiving her they want to make a super bioweapon for them Mm -hmm. um so i could understand a college student being really upset and feeling like they need to take a maximalist 
uh, approach to to that situation. Whether Sam would join her, like I honestly thought Sam was gonna still be on Emma's side all the way until the end, because when he when he was like when Sam was talking to the ghost of his brother and he's like, "You can stop Kate right now." I literally thought Sam was gonna punch a hole in Kate. I literally mm-hmm. thought that was gonna was gonna happen, um, but instead he says like, "Make me feel nothing," and that's ex- ex- and I thought even after that I thought he was gonna punch Kate. Yeah. yeah. Um, but nope, he and Kate are are teaming up for good, it seems. Yeah, which I actually um, liked, too, because it, it does speak to Emma's failures throughout the season, I think. not, and not, I mean, not really a failure, more uh, she had a lot of stuff going on and wasn't there for Sam in the moments that I think he needed her and, like, touching upon his trauma, like, when she did forget him. Um, and again, not her fault, but it does sort of, I see why it pushes Sam away and pushes him to that extremist point of being like, I don't trust you and I'm going to do this because I want to re- like feed into my rage at how I've been treated for so long. Yeah, yeah. All right, Homelander shows up. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. Uh, but again, I mean, he look, Anthony Starr is awesome. The character's awesome. It's great that Homelander shows up. My whole thing is, you know, the, the complaint I started this podcast episode was with, with was like, I wish the show didn't tie into the boys so much. And with Homelander showing up, it just raises all these questions like, what's Homelander been doing this whole time? Like, yeah. what is, you know, like, because we've heard that he might go on trial for killing the guy at the end of season three, three yeah, or four, three, right? Season three. Yeah. Uh, season three, right? And so it's like, what is his experience of this? Like, and, and there's just like a lot of confusion, basically. Like, he shows up. And we think he's gonna like stop the thing, but then he actually te- he actually goes against Marie, um, and presumably rearranges everything so that Kate and Sam are heroes, even though there's like thousands of witnesses to the opposite. You know, like uh, it's just a lot of questions that like I don't even know if the show knows it asked. What did you think of Homelander? I appearance? agree. I think what the biggest question mark for well, going back a little bit, the thing I liked about Homelander showing up is it does work for me in the sense that you know we always watch uh different like disney plus marvel shows and being like well why why doesn't samuel jackson call up uh, uh you know Cap- <laughs> right uh, captain america yeah. or iron man or whoever um like have you played a uh, spider-man 2 the video game no not yet it's on my list next well in new york there's like avengers tower is right yeah there. and then you're like why is you no know but calling? meanwhile like the world is falling apart no avengers are showing up yeah you know yeah and i so- feel like captain america <laughs> fixed this in like two seconds if it was if he was here <laughs> so yeah it works in that sense of like okay it does make sense that someone would show up here and homelander makes sense um but yeah it does it's it's i think the reason it's it it's hard to parse out is that we don't have the context of season four of the boys whereas like the little hints that we had gotten earlier this season where it's like he may be on trial for that guy or like you hear some of his viewpoints um being like you know like superhero supremacist i guess essentially um it it, those are like nice little teases for season four but when he shows up here and he's very much yelling at marie like we are attacking your own kind i can make the connection of like he has some weird like again superhero supremacist stuff going on but it just feels like that i don't have enough context for what's been happening with him the past few months to understand where he's at as a character to make this yes. very very important decision in the climax of this show um, i agree yeah i agree and so it's just it's hard to, it's hard to hinge such an important plot point for the series going forward on a character who I just, I don't have a context for at this moment to, to make that decision. It's a, it's a move that I would find 
really hard to forgive for another show. Mm-hmm. I have to say, mm-hmm. like if this was like Secret Invasion, if Secret <laughs> Invasion, if Secret Invasion did some really nutty thing at the end. Oh wait, they did. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, but you know, if some other show did this really nutty thing at the end, where they're like a character from another thing shows up, you know, yeah, um, no context for what they've been doing, and then they do a major thing, and like by the way. The whole status quo of the show is reconfigured. I'd Based be like, on that, yeah. Well, that's just bad storytelling. Like, that's just not good. Mm-hmm. Um, the show has earned a lot of my trust this season. Mm-hmm. And so I have faith that it's all going to make sense at some point. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty big reset. It's basically like, hey, everything you just saw, none of it mattered. Yeah. Like, not. not no, nothing that happened in the last 60 minutes really mattered. Like and we'll carry weight. Yeah. One, one person came in and basically reset, reset everything and nothing really mattered. Um, we could have just started at that point, honestly. Yeah. Um, and but, it, it makes yeah. me curious to see how much, you know, this season of Gen V is going to tie into the boys because my initial feeling on it was going to be like the, you know, Gen V may rely heavily on the boys at certain points, but the boys is not going to rely on Gen V. But given so that so much of what appears to be the next setup for this season, I, I was looking at an interview with uh, Eric Kripke, um, the showrunner of, of the boys, um, was talking about how uh, that they're, they very much have a plan of like, this will lead right into the boys season four, which will lead right into Gen V season two. Uh, and like, they're, they're going to sort of like bounce back and forth between the two of them going forward in terms of their storytelling so it seems like there's going to be a much more direct line between the two shows like bailey butcher is going to be looking for the soup virus next season which is going to be a big plot point of the season four of the boys but it gets created here um and also it looks like you know we're going to have uh victoria also having the soup virus which is going to be a big status quo change as well so like it, it just I'm, I'm curious to see how much that influence is going to go both ways, or if it's all just going to be the boys influences Gen V, but not too much the other way around. And it's just sort of yada yada when it comes to the boys. So I'm, I'm just very curious. I actually think that's great. Honestly, like I think like, you know, one of the many issues with the Marvel TV shows (laughs) is you literally don't need to watch them at all. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could have not watched WandaVision and walk into Multiverse of Madness and literally the events of WandaVision are mentioned in one I sentence. I would say, but Doctor Strange mentions that he doesn't care about, <laughs> about the town. <laughs> oh, are you here about all those people I mind controlled nah, in WandaVision? Nah, uh, no, fine. that's a completely unrelated topic <laughs> to what I'm doing here. You know, like, uh, it is completely inconsequential. And it's like, maybe... The boys in Gen V is going to do universe building better than Marvel is at this stage. That was you know, there. That was exactly Eric Kripke's quote too, where he's just like, "We want to be able to do it better than Marvel," or something along those lines. Right, because it's like it's consequent. Like you have to watch mm-hmm. Gen V to understand fully the next season of the boys. Whereas like Marvel wants to have it both ways, mm-hmm. right? They want to have it be like an interesting adventure, but also if you don't watch it, it's fine. That's kind of yeah what their approach has been up till now. I say this not having seen the Marvels yet, which I will tomorrow, and I will have a different. I may change my opinion on that after after that. Yeah, so. yeah, that'll be that'll probably um, be the big telling point, considering how much two of those two of those characters are very influenced by the shows. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So okay, so at this point though, it does appear that it will be integral, and that's cool. I, I support that. That's that's cool with me. It makes Gen V feel essential and not just like a commercial for uh, the boys necessarily, um, especially with all the work that it's done with the characters. So. Okay, any 
other thoughts on Gen V season one, Jesse Earl? No, I like I said, I think I've said most of what I wanted to say, but this season was really, really good. I loved the characters. I thought it had a lot of really interesting storylines. It it managed to tell a really thoughtful sort of overall story while also tying in some really great character beats and character decisions that again tied in the whole overall theme of being in college and trying to figure yourself out in a world that does not care for you as a person um but you're told to sort of find a way to fit into it anyway so yeah i thought this was a great season of television and you know there's some wrinkles here and there but uh you know it's the season one of a show and so going into this next season of The Boys and into season two of Gen V, whenever that's going to happen, I think this is uh, promising for both shows. So I agree. And I want to give another shout out to the casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, every one of these cast members has a distinct look, has a distinct personality, has a distinct power set. Yep. Uh, and I think that's like an underrated fact is like, hey, we want you to cast a show with like five relative unknowns. And by the way, they all have to look really distinct Mm -hmm. like and you it's very hard to mistake any of these characters for the other characters yeah uh and i I think that's like just a huge achievement to be able to do that and like you you look at the character you know instantly who they are and what they're doing in the show and that's like hard hard to do um so i I just really love the casting um and uh love the action the goriness the bloodiness i love tech night i love you know there's so many things about the show that i had such a great time with um, I just felt like it was very solid storytelling yeah. overall. Yeah. And so I had a great time uh, watching the show and I had a great time discussing it with Jesse Earl. Why don't you let folks know where you can find more of your work on the internet, Jesse? Yeah, you can find me at Jesse Gender over on YouTube, which is where I do my video essay style of videos. Um, do things on science fiction, fantasy, queer issues, sort of it's a potpourri of any of the things that we've been talking about. So if you like how I talk about you know this show, I do that same sort of analysis over on my channel. Um, I also have a secondary channel called Jesse Gender After Dark, where I do more individual episode reviews of shows like I'm reviewing Invincible uh, as it's coming out. Also on Amazon Prime, I've been doing shows like Star Trek, Star Wars, the Marvel shows, things like that. Um, and then I also have a podcast of my own called, uh, right now it's called the We Are All Pawns podcast, covering the TV show uh, The Prisoner. Uh, the old UK allegorical series. Um, and then when that ends and presumably hopefully the SAG strike ends and we can talk about, uh, you know, more modern TV shows, it's a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast as well. So you can check that out. Uh, and then the final thing that I should mention is I made a movie uh, between last time I spoke with David, I've been filming it and it's in post right now called Identities, uh, starring the wonderful John DeLancey, uh, Abigail Thorne, uh, a philosophy tube if you're on YouTube, as well as numerous other wonderful, amazing folks. Uh, so that will be out early next year and will be available on the streaming service Nebula, uh, which is a wonderful streaming service that I and many other YouTube creators are on. And you can support us there and that helps directly fund things like Identity so uh check that out if you if you want to see what i've been doing on my own uh i've had a great time chatting about this show with jesse it's our first time like working together on anything uh, and i hope that there will be many more collaborations to come um i uh, was a huge fan of jesse's work before we started talking the podcast and um loved all of her, her videos and so and, we, and i encourage you to check it out because i found her videos to be very informative and enjoyable oh, so thank you very much this um, has been huge thanks to jesse for for joining me for these chats and a huge thanks to everyone at decodingtv.com uh who supports this podcast uh 
as a paid member. Really appreciate it. You can find more episodes of the show at podcast.decodingtv.com and find us on all platforms at Decoding TV. Later this week, we are going to be discussing the season finale of Loki season two. And uh, so that should be a lot of fun. Uh, So stay tuned for that. And thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time for another episode of Decoding TV. Goodbye.